Hello and welcome to Season 5 of Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood, and I'll warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is and always has been simple, to encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late-night meals. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Skull Smash Ammonia, Raw Grip Chalk, Croqueta Strength, and Primate Apparel for their consistent support and encouragement. As you've heard over the last four seasons, the best hard-hitting ammonia in the game comes straight from Steve at Skull Smash with his new Formula 420. If you need to hit a brutal pull, you need the added grip. Raw Grip's Liquid Chalk is the highest quality on the market right now. If you're looking for no BS training and a team that'll stand by you through all the ups and downs, shoot a DM over to the Croqueta Strength on Instagram and take 10% off template programming when you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. And lastly, I'll swear by this, we are humble, but we are savage. Primate Apparel's mentality of sticking to your guns and standing up to those who would do you ill is a vital part of my training, and you can head over to any of those Instagram pages to get some products. This evening, I have the honor of chatting with Dennis Cornelius, two-time IPF world champion. He's a national champion. And I like to say he's the most famous powerlifter I know nothing about. You'll want to tune in to this fun hour as we talk about what red beer is, some of the keys to recovering from an injury, and some of the things not to do when recovering from an injury, and just some fun stories from Dennis's decades of competing across Brazilian jiu-jitsu and in powerlifting. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. Dennis, how you doing, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, nice, nice to be on here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, you were one of the most highly requested guests over the last few seasons, so I'm glad we're able to, to make it work, Oklahoma to Utah. Uh, you know, we were chatting right beforehand. You know, I said I think you're probably one of the most famous powerlifters I know that I don't know anything about. So I'm sure there are a lot of people that are super excited to hear a little bit of your story and uh, you know, just get to chat here for a little bit. So kind of on the front end, you know, I know that you kind of started out Brazilian jiu-jitsu and kind of ended up lifting, you know, how in the world did you get involved in this bizarre world of powerlifting in the first place? <laughs> well, well, so, you know, I've always lifted weights, um, played sports in high school. Um, typical path for powerlifters, you're, you kind of know you're strong. You know, you play sports in high school and you, you, you know, in the off season of whatever that sport is, usually football for guys, you kind of, you lift weights and you know, you're strong. You know, I was the strongest one on my team from a sophomore. Like when I was, a, actually when I was a freshman, um, there was only like two, two or three seniors when I was a freshman that were stronger than I was. So, <clears throat> you know, you start, you know, you just kind of fall in love with the weight training. I actually liked lifting weights in the off season as much, or maybe even better than playing football. So, you know, all through high school, junior high, uh, junior high, high school, you know, lifted weights, lifted heavy. And uh, um, after high school, you know, my, my goal was to play college football somewhere. I just didn't have, for whatever reason, didn't have the, just didn't have it for, for, for playing. And uh, um, so I kind of, fell out of it. I felt kind of, kind of fell out of weight training. You know, I started running five K's and stuff like that. And, and, uh, did that for a while. And then I went back to, uh, lifting heavy again and, uh, um, you know, just 
fell back in love with it. Just kind of became a gym bro, I guess you could say. Um, power building and doing whatever. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> then I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu because that kind of started taking off about 2008, nine, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And got into that for a few years. And uh, um, did a few tournaments and was lifting heavy through it. Then raw powerlifting came on the scene about 2011, 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. And, um, you know, started looking at databases, seeing numbers. Hey, you know, I could do this. This You know, I've got these numbers and I've got whatever. And and, uh, did my first meet and I actually did my first meet and stopped doing jujitsu. I said, hey, I'm going to pursue this for a while. And in 2012 is when I started and <clears throat> been doing it ever since. So that, that's kind of a you know, nutshell how I kind of started out doing it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, what what was inherently the draw to Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the first place? You know, I, I knew a guy when I grew up in Ireland. I knew a guy who, you know, was a big, you know, was a scrawny little guy, but he was just an absolute monster at Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I remember he goes uh, – he goes, Moses, I bet I could take you down. Now, me being arrogant, I, I knew absolutely nothing about it. I'm like, oh, okay, dude. He weighed like 130 pounds. Dude, this guy had me on the ground in like two sets. It was awful. It was the most pain I'd been in a really, really long time. But I've always been fascinated you know, by that as a sport, just the brutality of it. What was the the draw to that? Was it kind of that connection from football? Or, or what was – yeah, what was the story behind all that? Well, so <clears throat> it's funny because my – so well, – when I, when I was in high school, I never wrestled or anything um, mm-hmm. or junior or any point in my life. And I had friends that wrestled my senior year football was over. I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to go play college football, for, you know? And um, I said, you know, I'm going to go in there and mess around with the wrestlers and just go in there and train and, you know, see what's like. And the season was almost over actually for, for wrestling. By the time I decided to go in there, I'd actually just kind of was lifting weights and with the guys that were coming up playing football because I didn't really have anything to do out, you know, otherwise. And a friend talked me into going to, to, to wrestle and uh, I get in there and I have no idea how to wrestle at all. And I uh, don't know anything. And I get in there and, and, and uh, I wrestle him at first and, He's quite a bit smaller than me, so I was kind of, I could kind of muscle him around, you know, but I didn't really know how good he was or anything like that. And then, and then I wrestled the starter, which in, when I was in high school was a 190, was the 198 pound class. And, and the first thing when I got in there, they taught us how to do snap downs. And I, you know, I, when, I, when he walked up to me and they basically said, we're going to spar, I was like, oh man or practice together. I was like, Oh man, this dude's going to tear me up, you know? <laughs> and I get a hold of him and I'm like, man, it's like, is he trying? You know, I was like, it just feels kind of, I hate to say, but it feels kind of weak. <laughs> 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 and, uh, um, I, I'm like, okay, this, you know, it's kind of weird. So I grab him and I, you know, I grab his head and grab his one arm and I can control him like whatever I want to do. You know, I'm like, you know, I, I thought he wasn't trying at first. Then I was like, okay, I'm going to practice these snap downs. I grabbed him, snapped him down. And, uh, and then I, I was able to get get his back, you know, and, and 
<clears throat> I did that a couple times. I'm like, man, I'm like pretty damn good at this. At least get to, <laughs> you know. And he was a starter, and he, you know, he went. He wasn't like a state champion or nothing, but he, you know, he went to regionals in Oklahoma. You know, he went to regionals, and, and uh, um, I just remember like from day one I could beat him, but they wouldn't let me play or they wouldn't let me wrestle because it was like there was like a, maybe a month left in the season, and you, you know, I I was too late to you know at that point. Sure. Three weeks later, I'm beating the whole team, like everybody, the heavyweight included. The only person that could beat me when I first started was the heavyweight. Three weeks later, I learned some stuff and kind of get in shape, you know, because I was completely out of shape for wrestling. I could beat the whole team <clears throat> and just on athleticism. So so I was like, I mean, it's not to brag, but I just I could, you know. Yeah. And so years later, I was like, man, I, you know, I love wrestling. I wish I would have done that from like day one and uh, instead of playing football. And so years later, I went, you know, 2008 or nine, whatever it was, I started doing jiu-jitsu and I got in there and. And right off the bat, I could beat everybody pretty much except for the instructor and maybe a few purple belts in in the in the you know in the in the room or whatever. So I was like, this this is my sport, you know. So um anyway, I you know did it for a few years and and but I never really went to any major tournaments. I did a couple of Naga turn I did a Naga tournament and and a couple of local stuff, but um I never I never really, I was never really that serious about it, I guess. I was just more or less in it, you know, just playing around. And um, because at the time, I didn't really know what was good and what wasn't. And, and you know, I was working full time. And But uh, um, started powerlifting and <clears throat> basically, you know, I just, just didn't look back after that, after I started doing that, you know, I stopped, I started like 2008 or nine or something like that. And then, uh, finished and, or quit in 2012, I guess. But so, and then, and then, you know, I did it off and on for a while. I kind of went back to it last or in 2018, I got hurt, injured my neck and, uh, um, <clears throat> I kind of stopped doing it then. Um, you know, I, I've been kind of debating on going back and kind of doing it a little bit, but my thought now is like, I want to go, I want to go to worlds at least one more time. I'd like to hit the Sheffield meet and, um, do those two things before I retire for sure. You know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but, um, because when I go back, I will go back to jujitsu at some point. And when I do, I want to like, I want to take it as serious as powerlifting. So, yeah. so I just don't know yet. You know, you mentioned so you mentioned your your neck injury there, and it's funny. You know, earlier today I, I was watching. I don't know if it was King of the Lifts or it, it was something uh, in which and it was SBD had done you know, a video in which you were talking about injuries, uh, yeah. and you said you know the number one most important thing is not to panic, and it's exactly what I did is I panicked because you never really oh, yeah yeah. So you're and obviously you come back from that you know and and you're good now. What what did that much, yeah. I say good, you know, with quotation marks, I guess. Pretty much, yeah. Um, in that you're able to lift. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you're back to, you know, heavy loads. What does that recovery look like for you? And, you know, other than panic, what has kind of been, you know, some of the mistakes, you know, you think you would mention and some of the things you did well, that especially younger lifters can be aware of, knowing that they're going to come up to a penultimate injury? Well, so, you know, I mean, I'm 40 now. And up to that point, so it was 2018, I got hurt. 
I was indestructible, at least in my mind. Like completely <coughs> indestructible. I was 38 years old. I was like, I've never been major. I've never had a major injury. I'm, you know, I, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. And, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, what? first off, when it happened, it was completely unavoidable, um, the injury that I had. Um, but the second thing is, is I was doing something stupid. So, I mean, I guess, so <clears throat> basically what I was doing, I'm not, let me just tell you how I got injured. So when I, so I had a training session, I was bench pressing. Um, I had 400 pounds, uh, on the bench. I un- unracked it and I, and I was sideways on the bench or I was, my body was kind of shifted on the bench. So I used my head to pick my try to pick my body up to position position myself back on the bench, which is stupid when you're holding 400 pounds, right? <laughs> I mean, it's almost stupid. Yeah, it, so it's even stupid when you're doing it with just your body weight. But you know, any but I did it with 400 pounds. Just you know, I was so used to lifting, and it was just like whatever, you know. And um. Which was fine. I, I tweaked my neck. I felt it. I was like, okay, I've done this before. This has happened. Not a big deal. You know, I've had tweaks in my neck just like this before. I trained on it all week, but I was grappling on it all week also. Hmm. So I was lifting five times a week, grappling three times a week, and um, training for raw nationals, actually, is what it was. And uh, every day, I thought my neck was kind of getting better. I could roll on it. It would kind of hurt, you know, and then it would kind of get better. Finally, I did it on a Saturday. The next Saturday, I rolled on it really hard. And uh, um, I was uh, I was actually doing stand-up, nogi, stand-up, whatever. And um, after practice was over, my neck was screaming at me. I mean, it was like – it was horrible. And uh, – I was twitching real bad in my left peg, my left tricep, and my left lat after practice, after the practice was over. And, it was, and the pain was, was excruciating and uh, um, twitching real bad all day. I had to take, like, I never take ibuprofen, but I finally took some ibuprofen to try yeah. to numb the pain, you know. And uh, um, <clears throat> later that night, I, I, uh, bench press, you know, I went, went to bench press cause I had to train that night. And, uh, cause usually I did usually I have open roll on Saturday and you can know, train at night that, you know, put them eight hours apart usually. And, uh, um, so I went to bench press and I did 135. I'm like, man, that, that feels weird, you know? And, mm. and, uh, put 225 on there and, it was like kind of a struggle to get up and 315 basically stapled me my left side to the, to the bench. Wow. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't even, I couldn't pick it up. And then from that day forward, actually that was the day that I panicked. I was like, what the hell has has happened to me? I had no idea, you know, it was a nerve injury. I didn't know that could happen. Right. I mean, I didn't know it was was a thing. So that happened. And, uh, um, that's when this, you know, the panic said, you know, like, I'm done. Like I'm done, you know? And, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, I heard about like nerve injuries and then like, and, uh, I didn't know if it was a nerve injury. I didn't know what the hell it was. And, uh, I mean, all kinds of things run through my mind, but, uh, 
anyway, the next week I couldn't even bench 225. I mean, it's gotten so bad. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. 135 was a struggle. Wow. So it wasn't until like a month later I could finally bench 205 for maybe a couple of reps. And, um, and then from then on, my strength kind of started slowly progressing back to normal, you know. But, uh, um, but anyway, I guess I you go back to your question. What I would say to young people, you know, people is don't ignore the injuries for sure. When you have, especially where, especially when it comes to your spinal cord, when it's something in your spinal cord, you know, you've got to rest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. rest and let it and let it heal up and and do and th- there's all kinds of there's all kinds of stuff on the on the internet about how to how to re, you know let your back recover your neck recover and all that stuff do those things you know find those things find a doctor physical therapist I went to a physical therapist and all that stuff and and but basically my advice is stop what you're doing you know whatever it was that got you injured and fix it before you know before you uh before it gets to the point where you lose strength from a nerve injury those but that's not good i'm still yeah Yeah, i'm still dealing with it to this day i mean it still affects my bench i mean to this day so so it's something i'm constantly having to battle Yeah. Well, and you know, you, you even mentioned, I mean, and, and this is obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm just 22. So in my cell, I'm speaking to the choir here, but you know, there is just that easy thought of just thinking you're invincible. You know, when you're young, you're like, man, I could do it. I could drop 500 pounds and on my head and I'd be fine. You know, and obviously no, <laughs> you wouldn't be, you know, and it could be something as simple as using your head to shift your body on the bench while holding weight. Up, yeah. You know? Yeah. Doing, you know, if, if I'd have just done that, if I hadn't have been rolling on it, doing the grappling, trying to do two sports, I was trying to, I honestly had it in my head, I was here, I'm going to win IPF Worlds and then I'm going to go do the IBJJF Worlds and I'm going to try to win that. I, I had that in my mind. And, you know, you just, it's just kind of stupid, man. <laughs> you know, it, it really is. It's just, you know, I mean, whatever. I learned, you know, I learned from it. But, you know, and, and I'm not saying that you couldn't do it, but it's like, why, you know, it's like, now I'm at a, in a point where it's like you either need to do one sport or you need to do another sport and try to be the best at one or the other, you know? So, yeah. Well, you know, and, and in powerlifting, you know, especially because you, you've competed, you know, for a very extensive time now, you obviously made the choice to remain drug free, uh, which powerlifting, especially in bodybuilding, being these sports in which there is a prominence of, of PED usage, you've still successfully gone on to become a very elite level lifter without the use of PEDs. So I just wonder what was, when, when you kind of started and you're like, man, I need to figure out what my end goal is. Was that really the point you're like, man, like steroids have no place in this or what was the decision for you where you're like, you know what, this isn't gonna be a part of my training. Well, I don't really know. (laughs) Sure. sure. Uh, So I've always, you know, I've always been drug free. So, I mean, I, it's just, I, I guess I could say more out of convenience, you know. Sure. I don't know how to get steroids. I don't even know what you would do. I know people <laughs> do them, and I could probably ask them, but from what I hear, they're kind of expensive. Plus, you don't know what you're getting. And also, I'm kind of a little bit of a hypochondriac, you know, um, so I, I, I tend to shy away from things that, like, 
what if this gives me some kind of weird cancer or this does something to my, you know, um, does something to my system that I can't, you know, bounce back from where I get addicted to it. And then I start and I go the opposite direction. You know, I, that's kind of the reason, I mean, it, you know, um, the older I get, the more I think about, man, I wonder what it would be like to get on TRT or something, you know, where I feel, sure. or, you know, cause your energy kind of go, it kind of, it, it kind of subsides when, you know, I'm not 20 anymore. I can tell, you know, so sure. it's like, it's one of those things that's kind of like, man, it'd, you know, it'd be nice to be, you know, young again, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of guys get on it, but, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of decisions, you know, I mean, you know, raising a family and, 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 uh, kind of, you know, just the lifestyle I live. I just, it's just kind of like never really been in the card for me, you know? Um, so, and, and the other thing too, is like, there's just, there's not a lot of, I mean, what's the point, you know? I mean, there's not a lot of money in, in, in taking, I mean, what, what am I going to get out of it? You know, I could I could get on drugs and I could get, you know, get really strong and go win fifteen hundred dollars or fifteen okay, fifteen thousand fifteen thousand dollars at a meet, you know, and it's like what's the point? You know, that's like that's right. nothing. You know? Yeah. So it's like it's not like there's hundreds, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars riding on it, you know. So it's pointless. You know. If I was gonna do steroids, I'd probably pursue strongman or something like that to where it would actually like maybe a little bit more of a payoff. Sure. You know, at some point. Yeah. You know, maybe go box up against half Thor Bjornsson or something or Eddie Hall. Yeah. Yeah. So I could, I think I could box against him or him or Eddie Hall without, without stare. Those guys, golly, when I see those guys boxing on the internet, it's like, that's embarrassing. Don't post that. I know. I know. It's, oh my gosh. You know, ever, ever, it's got to be it run through everyone's mind. That's like the it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not oh, highly hey. skilled boxers. <laughs> it doesn't take long to like kind of like be able to shadow box or hit a punching bag with some and have some movement, you know. And those guys like the, the, <laughs> the video I saw of Eddie Hall is like horrible. Like man, come on, dude. You've been no, boxing for two years. You should get it now, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. I will 100% go because it's only five hours away from me. So I will 100% watch it when it happens. But Oh, yeah. We're all going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's a spectacle, you know. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. But, you know, one of them will have – I'm not saying I couldn't hit hard once they connect, you know, but just the – man, you know, I guess the skilled boxer, those guys get murdered. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, just kind of going on this tangent. I feel like in the last couple of years, boxing has just gone from being like, I don't know, a sport that a lot of people respected to just a lot of random people wanting to fight. Like, what was it? This YouTuber dude, uh, Logan Paul or like Jake, one of the two of them fighting Mayweather. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. You know, what, what, yeah. what, what happened to, to the sport? You know? Yeah. It's kind of silly. I mean, you know, <clears throat> I would have actually been more interested to see Thor and Eddie Hall do an MMA fight instead of a boxing match. Oh, I think yeah. that would be more fun to watch, you know, because they're not really boxers. So it's like, why not just, you know, we're a bare knuckle brawl. Or, you know what I mean? Like something, something a little bit more, more raw, I guess. 
get the get the two of them in the back of an alley drunk. Yeah, know, something. Yeah, we're something, you know, at least in MMA that could play to the strength, which is their strength, you know. So, right. you know, why not do something like that? <laughs> oh, man, anyway, that'll be everyone who's listening. Make sure you tune into that because I think we're all going to feel whoever hits the ground, we're going to feel it across the world because it's going to cause some kind of shockwave. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, well, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, as you've gotten older, you know, your, your energy in training, at least, I think there's been a lot more Zen. People kind of say, you know, you're you're the barefoot lifter. You know, you're kind of in the garage. You're kind you're just getting stuff done. You know, anybody can look at your Instagram page. It's just straight up. I hit this number for this amount of reps. This is how it felt. That's it. You know, there's none of this like I'm going to war. I'm fighting this. Like I hate. You know, it's just I did this and this felt good. I this think didn't feel good. Yeah, I think that's like an age thing, man. Like I see these kids doing this this is kind of goofy you know i i don't know i think it's just kind of a an age thing you know i remember being 23 years old and 22 21 and you know i was i was a lot dumber than a lot of these kids are <laughs> now you know i mean i was partying and drinking and and uh doing you know but the other thing too is like i wasn't really that big on i would have i honestly could could see myself never being big on social media, even when I was young. So just, it's just not my personality, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I when I post a lift, it's more of a journal for me to look back on. Honestly, I look back on a lot of stuff, and I'm trying to post every week. Used to, I only put, I would only post big lifts when I was, you know, three or four or five years ago. Now, now I post. Like, I try to post every week to see, kind of. So I can have something to go back and look at and say, Hey, what did I do here? You know, you know, six months ago or a year ago, honestly, that's kind of what it's for now. So, Which is probably more sustainable in the long run because, you know, you, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I have nothing against Joey Flex. I think he's a great coach. I, his lifters are great, but they're all, it is, it's that energy. It's the chip on their shoulder, you know, that you just, you don't yeah. have that. You're just, Hey, I'm going to, I already know I'm one of the best. I'm just going to go work out and then go compete. Yeah. yeah I mean, I've, I've won an IPF worlds twice and it's, you know, so it's at this point, it's like a, um, you know, I've got that under my belt. I've done it and it's cool. It's like, I think any, I think everybody should shoot for it, you know, but now I'm like, you know, and I would like to go back. I like to go back just for the social aspect of it. Honestly. Sure. Um, not necessarily lift. I almost kind of wish sometimes I almost want to just kind of um, wish I could just dedicate time or go be a, a, a meet or like a, you know, go judge meets or something to go to me just for the social aspect of it. Cause I don't, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, I don't really want to live. <laughs> I just want to lift and then drink beer afterwards. You know, that's what I want. <laughs> You don't go out for dinner with the people afterwards. You don't want to just, yeah. talk about back in the day when I used to be strong. You know, <laughs> you, you could be, you could be that guy in the gym that goes up to the twenty year old. Oh, I I used to bench you know five fifty, and they'll be like, yeah, sure you did, and you're like, no, 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 like I did. <laughs> <laughs> that happens now sometimes. You know, sometimes I go to a gym. And I'm yeah, I, I compete. I did you know worlds a couple times, and they look at me like okay, and. uh get to talk to them or like, yeah. And, or, or like a GNC or something. 
Right. You know, okay, just check out my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I walk in there, they're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. You walk to the sales associate, they're like, yeah, sure, man. I, I bet you live. Try out our new supplement. You're like, nah, dude, I don't think you understand. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to win. You know, I do want to go back and, and compete at least one more time at, at IPF and, and, uh, you know, experience it again. Um, you know, there's, I had some good memories of several meets that I did, you know, and, and, and uh, um, definitely like to go back and experience at least one more time before I get, before I say I'm done. So, you know, you, you mentioned there, you know, the, the social aspect, going out and get a beer. So a mutual friend of ours, Duncan Hundley, who is so excited that you were on the show, uh, texts me. He goes, hey, I want you to ask him about beer. And I said, all right. So I did a little bit of research and found out that your go-to is beer with tomato juice or red beer. What I have never heard of this before. What in the world is red beer and what is the attractiveness to that specifically? <laughs> so – well, it's just a. I don't know if it's a an Oklahoma thing or but or what, but it's kind of like a a drink. You know, is it's a beer with it's beer with V eight or something is was you know something with a lot of salt. But uh, my uncle used to drink it. My dad kind of used to drink. My uncle, I had two uncles that drank a bunch of that stuff, and um, so I kind of like saw it from them when I was growing up and then, and then when I did it, I was like, Hey, I really like this. This is good. You know? And, uh, so I mean that, I mean, there was, there's no real big story. It's just sure that, you know, it's few family, few relatives drank, uh, beer with tomato juice. And, and so I kind of started doing, it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know. I think I had to go back to like, you know, no one ever clicks onto the second page of Google. You know, they just go onto the first page. I had to click to like the fifth or sixth page and something came up and it just said red beer. And I like Googled it. And I was like, this is this phenomenon. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> I would never like, I, I just wonder who the first person was that said, I'm going to pour V8 juice into this Coors Light and see what it tastes like. You know? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that before I started having to cut weight, I used to drink. Um, I used to, before meat, I would go to a, you know, I'd go to a, a restaurant usually some kind of an Italian place and eat pasta the night before because I'd wait in, you know, before I started competing in the USAPL when they had the other federation at the 24 hour weigh-ins. And, uh, um, I used to drink a bunch of pot or eat a bunch of pasta and drink red beer, two or three red beers the night before, you know, and, uh, um, it gave me carbs and salt and all the stuff that I needed <laughs> for the meat the next day. And it wouldn't, it was, I, I was, you know, it was pretty good. You know, I remember the first time I, I totaled, uh, um, over, I mean, you know, I remember the first time I totaled over 2,200 I did that the night before. And, uh, you know, it just puts a lot of, Sorry, I'm trying to do something. But anyway, it puts a lot of uh, – gives me a lot of carbohydrates and a lot of salt. And just so for some weird reason, it hydrates me the right way. So I, I did that for quite a while. Um, powerlifting. You know, 
Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of people outside of the powerlifting world that look at it and they're like, what the hell are these random, you know, the diets or the habits or just the different quirks that different people have. Like the fact that I'll show up at a meet, or I think of Jamal Browner, you know, Jamal Browner is going to show up and have a, you know, two pound bag of Skittles with him. You know, as, as you know, that's just such like, obviously for us, we're like, okay, it's quick energy, it's sugar, it's whatever. But people outside are like, why the hell are you going to a competition with Skittles? Or like a bag of, you know, just like random stuff like that. Or who would think to drink V8 juice before meat? But you need the salt. You really do. Yeah. Yeah, it works really well. That's yeah, why I'm trying to cut down from nationals. You know, nationals this year is in June. I'm like, okay, that gives me plenty of time to like, I'd like to cut down to 260. That way I can eat up to the meat, eat, do my normal diet before the meat, you know. So I'm trying to diet down to 260 slowly between now and then and uh, um, not have to cut the knife before. That's terrible. Right. Oh, it's a nightmare. <clears throat> you know, I had a guy who was prepping for – before Collegiate Nationals got canceled this year, I had a guy who uh, the day before the meet was still seven pounds over. And the yeah. night before, I mean, just had to, you know, sauna the way. bathroom up. And, oh, it's the worst. You're, like, taking salt packets during the meet. And just, I mean, it's just – it's a nightmare. Yeah. It really affects your performance, too. No, astronomically. Yeah, it has to. I mean, every time, you know, I water cut in 2016. Actually, two thousand yeah, 2016 Worlds. Um, I had my best total because I only had to water cut 10 pounds off. Hmm. So it was um, – <clears throat> And I didn't have to cut any other method. It was pretty easy cut. Do that. I mean, I, you know, I went from 275 to 264, and um, I performed well that day. I mean, pretty much my streak was pretty much on point. You know, I, it affected my squash just a little bit, but other than that, it wasn't really that. It wasn't really too bad. After that, um, I kind of let my body weight get out of control, and every every single time I've had poor performance because of it. You know, um, I could bulk up to 80, 285 and go do a USPA meet at 275 with a 24 hour weight cut. And I literally add 20, 100 pounds to my total. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's water cutting. I mean, anything other than water cutting in the past has been very detrimental to me. Well, you know, <clears throat> another thing, you know, especially with your deadlifts, you know, naturally you aren't built with incredible leverages to deadlift, but obviously you've worked around that to create, you know, a, a very positive and strong deadlift. Yeah. For especially people who are just effed in, in that area. How did, how did you figure out a way to make it work for you despite the leverages? Um, technique changes. I have to squat sumo. Mm -hmm. uh, conventional doesn't work for me very well. Uh, unless I conventional off of blocks. Right. But um, technique changes in the last probably year, a year and a half has, has really made a big difference in my, in my deadlift. Um, yeah. Just the way I set up and the way I grip it and everything. I mean, the whole nine yards. Um, it's really helped. You know, I, I consider myself an 800 pound deadlifter. You know, I don't know how much more of that I can than I'll be able to do, but um, 800 pounds is definitely there for me, um, even on a stiff bar, you, you know, 
um, traditionally it's been mid 700s or even low 700s, depending on my back was hurt or not. But um, um, the other thing too, is I don't deadlift very often. Right. Um, I don't deadlift every week. Um, I don't think it's necessary. And, you know, I see people, you know, I think if you have long arms that you don't have, to, you don't strain your back as much. You know, sure. when, you have short, when you have short arms like I do, it's it's more of a tax. It's taxing on my back, you know. So it's um, so I don't deadlift every week, or if I do, I I, I pull from blocks, especially if I pull conventional. Um, but uh, technique is a big part of it. Yeah. <clears throat> so well, you've talked before, you know, on you know, just one of the things that's bothered you the most in powerlifting has just been, you know, complainers, people who are coming up with excuses for everything and why something didn't feel good. And they didn't get the right amount of sleep. They didn't eat enough, whatever. For you, you've always kind of, as we talked about earlier, have just cut straight to the chase. I did this. This is how it felt. And you just move on. It's a training log. I wish everybody would kind of do that. So you kind of see like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so I think people, you know, when people lift subconsciously, they're lifting for, for, for the audience that they're lifting for. So if it's on Instagram, they're lifting for everybody on Instagram. When, you know, ever, ever, you know, some days you have good training days, some days you have bad training days. Um, I, you know, then it fluctuates for me week to week, you know? So, so if I'm not progressing forward every week, it's usually because, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's usually, it's, it's usually attributed to whatever it was that week. And I don't, you know, I'll post, you know, it'll be a, you know, it'd be an RP of nine or a seven or a, you know, an eight when it was supposed to be a six or, you know what I mean? Like, I, there's no point in going in. I see it so much. It's like nobody gives a shit, man. Right. They just don't right. care. Like they just simply don't care about how much you slept or whatever. They just want to see what you lifted and how many. To me, when I see when I see somebody lift, I want to see. I, the first thing I look for is how much did they do and how easy did it feel to them. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I look for. I don't know about everybody else. I mean, do do you see it that way? Yeah, some I mean, people. I don't care about anything else. <laughs> I just yeah, want to see you move the exactly. weight. <laughs> yeah. How much did you lift? Like, what are you lifting there? So I try to just post that. I was like, okay, I lifted 700 from six, you know, and, and, and it was at this RPE. I think RPE is a great scale. People make fun of it, but I'm like, it, it, it's like kind of tells exactly how you feel, you know? So, um, I mean, to me, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think the way that I see RP, like obviously the way that you use it is it works because you're not lying about it. I think what we run into is people call something and everything's an RP8, everything's an RP7. And it's like, homie, you didn't have another rep in the tank. I don't know why you're calling that RP7. Or somebody will say, I see somebody, certain people say that RP is six. I'm like, uh, come on, man. Like that ain't no six. That's a, that's a damn eight or nine, you know? So you, then I kind of go back and look at the video and I'm like, I'm really watching their facial expressions and like how much are they shaking? And so, yeah, it's, you know, I think people are trying to just blow themselves up and it works. I guess it works for people, you know? Um, So, I mean, if it, if it works for you, then great. 
Yeah. And if it doesn't, stop doing it, you know. So, you know, I, I wonder, you know, over your you've competed, you know, so many times over the over the last few years. What have been some of your fondest memories of specific competitions or specific lifts you had done in competition? I wonder just over your you know, career, what have been some of the highlights for you kind of looking back? Yeah. So <clears throat> I guess when I look back at, you know, uh, I've had a lot of good, good memories, but probably the, you know, when I, okay. So like when I won IPF worlds in 2016 for the first time, that was really cool. You know, yeah. um, that was probably, that probably stands out as probably one, probably the number one, uh, first time to win worlds. You know, um, it was in my in the home country. My family got to, a lot of my family got to see it, and um, so that was probably my favorite. Um, <clears throat> Belarus was another fun one. Um, not so much the meet, but more like the the after party. You know, I got to hang out. That that was the meet. That was the meet. I kind of got to know people. I got to hang out with like Tony Cliff and and Bonique Brown and you know Kelly Branton and different people that, that, um, that I didn't really know, but I mean, other than, you know, competing with them or against them or whatever. Um, so that was fun, uh, kind of an experience, you know, the LA fit expo the first time, actually the second time I did the LA fit expo, that was a fun meet. Um, it's, it's a, it's a cool, it was a cool meet because uh, it's put on by the USPA. If you know, I don't know if you know that or not, but anyway, um, they, the, the actual competition was fun because it was in front of a huge crowd. Um, and, uh, in the main auditorium of the LA fit expo. And, uh, that was, that was pretty fun. You know, it was getting some, big name lifters, but, but I think most, most of all, it was like the crowd that was there, you know, I was like, I really like lifting in front of a crowd, you know, obviously I, like anybody does, but, um, so that was a cool experience. Um, what else? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what other meets, you know, I mean, I have a lot of memories, a lot of meets were, were fun, but, I think those three kind of were the big, the big three for me that, that was was the most fun, I guess. So. Yeah, you know, kind of piggybacking off of that, who who do you think has been your and maybe maybe there isn't anybody, maybe you completely cleared the table at this point, but who do you think has been your stiffest competition that's pushed you to be better, other than yourself, kind of over your course of lifting? Um, I mean, there's been a lot of people, you know, I mean, come and go. <clears throat> stiffest competition is probably man I don't know you know Hyphon Smith was a good competitor for the USA um, I kind of wish I kind of wish he was still competing but he was he kind of stands out as probably the, the most competitive for me especially because it was it was at a time where I was coming up in the in the IPF and and, and so was he but um, you know he's since quit but now, getting back in, you know, there. I mean, I, I don't. There's not one guy that really stands out. Um, you know, there's been a lot of guys, There's been a lot of people I've looked up to. Uh, Mike T was another one. Um, when I first started in the USAPL, he was he was a big one. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I remember training and I remember the training sessions I had to go against Mike were probably some of my most memorable, I guess, you know, some, some of the most fun because, uh, you know, it was like, he was the guy at, at my weight class, you know, a few years back. And, and, um, so whenever he, you know, whenever I was training for, I was the guy coming up and that's a lot more fun than being the guy on top. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> and now I'm the guy people are ch- chasing at my weight class. You know what I mean? So, um, it, it's kind of, it's not as fun. <laughs> right. Right. Every, everybody's gunning for your title. Now you don't get to be the one nipping at somebody's heels. You got a bunch of people chasing you. I'm sure it'd be. Not really. I mean, honestly though, not really because you know, I, I didn't go, you know, I went to nationals in 2019. I didn't perform that well because I was still, basically I was still injured. My back and my neck were still injured at that point. But, um, but, uh, um, you know, and then, uh, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, there's, there, there's a lot of competitors that stand out, you know, some of them I don't really want to name because <laughs> I don't have a lot of respect for them, but some of them, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that I, that I do have a lot of respect for. And, and you know, so, I mean, there's just a bunch. There's not just one guy. Sure. Well, you know, kind of the back end of all these uh, kind of conversations, I think a couple of the things that have made at least this show a little bit more unique um, has been one, this question of faith, and then this other question, you know, French toast or, you know, breakfast food. So kind of first, you know, this faith question, um, you know, I think one of the things that's made powerlifting, especially such a unique sport, is just how diverse it is, just generally. I mean, pretty much anyone, not even pretty much, anyone who wants to go pick up a barbell can go pick up a barbell. It doesn't matter what race, religion, creed, sexuality, whatever they're come from, they can go pick up a 45 pound bar and lift it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's incredible. Uh, and so one of the cool things in the last few seasons has just been the stories um, of, of all the different people that have come on. So my question for you is, you know, what role, if any, has your own, you know, personal faith, religion, spirituality, whatever played in your own training or even just your mentality of viewing the sport as a whole? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I haven't given a whole lot of thought to that, I guess, but you know, um, <clears throat> I guess I could say, you, you know, um, I pray to God to please don't let me get injured. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but you know, my, I guess my philosophy on, now I'm, I'm at a point where I've kind of, I've kind of in powerlifting, I've done everything I've wanted to do. You know, um, there's not a whole lot left for, for me to, to be honest with you that, that I think, okay, I need to go do this or I need to go do that. I think I've done everything I wanted to do. And, uh, now it's just a, it, it's more of like a, a longevity thing. Um, you know, I, I just want to, um, if I stay in the sport and I decide I'm going to continue to do this for a while, you know, I just want to stay healthy and, 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 uh, be a competitor and, and basically be that guy that, that, you know, that dominates the 120 class for, for a few years and nobody was able to touch him, you know, I mean, I'd kind of like to be that guy. <clears throat> um, I mean, I, 
you know, I, I don't have a whole lot on that, but that, that's kind of where I'm at now, you know. And, uh, um, you know, I see guys like David Ricks, and <clears throat> it's amazing how he's lasted this long. I know, he, you know, I know it matters because he's, he's, he's stepped away from the sport and then he's come back, and, you know, that matters because that, you're not beating up your body for – you know, week after week after week, you know, and, sure. but, but he's still, still old. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like, I, you know, I mean, when I think about retiring, I'm like, man, you know, he ain't done yet. So, so basically I'm not done. Yet. <laughs> yeah. You got to so, outlast him. You can't let him beat you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I feel that. And, and I think that's a good answer. I mean, honestly, at the core of it, if you've got 800-something pounds on your back, yeah, I'd sure hope there was a prayer of, hey, I don't want to get hurt. You know, I don't want yeah. this to kill me. That's kind of where that's kind of where it is. I mean, that's kind of what, what it is now at this point, you know. Yeah, and I think it's a very, very valid thing. You know, I remember Joe Sullivan uh, last season uh, said a very similar thing. But his on the other side, you know, Joe being Joe – he was like, I want you to hurt me. He was like, I want you to kill me. He's like, if this is it, kill me. I'm like, uh-uh, I, I ain't risking that with the weight on my back. But, you know, I think it's something like Ray Williams. You know, you put 1,100 pounds on your back. I mean, it's it's 1,100 pounds, you know. And, yeah, it, 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 I, I wouldn't say that it ages you, but it's – it's um, you get tired of it after a while, you know. I mean, kind of why I lift with more volume now. I'm tired of doing singles all the time. I'm just like – you know, my body just, it just, you know, I kind of like, I kind of want to just train for longevity now and, and focus on, you know, if I continue to do this, you know, save that shit for the platform and not, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to get hurt. I mean, it, it's stupid, you know, and, and Joe's young, Joe Sullivan's young. He, he's going to, he's going to have a different mentality when he's 40 years old. hundred you know, percent. He's still yeah, he's still in his twenties. He doesn't have a clue until he gets to you know when he gets forty. He ain't gonna be saying that anymore. <laughs> when I was twenty years old, I I mean you couldn't. I I mean I'm telling you, three years ago you couldn't touch me. You couldn't hurt me three years ago, and I would have given you a different answer. Now I'm you know that's not the case. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to deal with your own mortality a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. You get hurt once, and and you know it's like yeah, okay, this. You know, I'm not completely invincible like I thought I was. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, last big question I've got, and a, and a fan favorite is this breakfast question. I love breakfast food. It's the only. I'm an awful cook, and so the only thing that I can make is breakfast stuff. Uh, and so my question for you is. What breakfast food? It doesn't even have to be something that fits macros or fits training. Uh, then again, I'm saying that to you and you ate pasta and drank red beer before competition. So maybe I don't have to clarify that. But what breakfast food reigns supreme for you above all others? Eggs. Whole Just straight eggs. Yeah. Whole if eggs. I don't eat anything else. I have to eat eggs. Yeah. You know, I would love to say bacon, but I can do without bacon. But I have to have eggs every day, every single day. So, so, so yeah. what what what's your daily egg consumption look like in the off season? Uh, usually about four whole eggs. I mean, it's not that much, but it's usually daily. You know, four whole eggs in the morning and and uh, oatmeal. That's pretty much what I eat every morning. Maybe some kind of fruit. Yeah. But it's funny. I, I meal prep my breakfast and two lunches, 
and I take him to work and I eat, I eat at work, you know, I usually get to work about an hour early and get there, eat my breakfast and, uh, um, start working and I'll eat twice at work and I come home and eat and I'll eat again at night, you know, whatever it is. So, but yeah, I have to have eggs every day. Yeah, for sure. Well, why, why that question? I'm just curious. Yeah. So, well, so when I was making the podcast originally, it started, you know, a year and a half ago, I guess now. And I, I knew faith and fitness both start with F's. And I was like, I need a third F like for this to sound fluid. And for whatever reason, I just came up with French toast. Like there was no reason behind it. I wasn't even asking the question. And so I got like two seasons through the show and I never brought it up, like never brought up food once. And finally, I don't know if it was, maybe it was Steffi Cohen or someone was just like, why is there French toast in this name? And I was like, all right, fair enough. What's your favorite breakfast food? And it just kind of, you know, went from there. So it's funny because it was not intentional when I started this at all. Well, folks, due to some technical difficulties, we weren't able to jump into just the last conclusion of the interview with IPF World Champion Dennis Cornelius. But, of course, just a wonderful conversation. If you want to catch up with his training, stay tuned as he prepares for Sheffield uh, and all other competitions coming up. You can find him on Instagram at Dennis Cornelius 500 And if you're ever in Oklahoma, I'm sure he would love uh, to say hello. If you want to hear more from me at the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Faith Fitness Podcast or Big Mo Powerlifting. If you're craving a little bit more, you can subscribe to our Patreon for $5 a month for early access to all episodes and virtual video podcasts uh, when we have the opportunity to record those. We have a brilliant guest list lined up for the rest of season five. So don't forget to turn on those post notifications on Instagram. Stay connected on that platform of choice to be the first to hear about guest announcements and my classic early episode releases. With that, I'm Moses Allwood. Thanks as always for listening. I'll see you next week with Tom Van Boven.